All right, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Ian. And today's episode, we're actually going to cover a singular issue before we start the next volume of Venom, before Absolute Carnage starts up. And it's going to be issue 16. It was kind of just a, a quick little... Return for Donny Cates, because during the time when War of the Realms was going on, Colin Bunn was writing Venom for him, and Donny Cates came back, and he kind of wanted to do kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to put it, like, I guess, a lull story in between, kind of just like a small story to kind of just set the tone of what was, of how the character was at that moment. So, we'll kind of do like a brief synopsis of what's going on in the past, as well as I'm going to go over kind of Carnage and Maximum Carnage. This way, whenever I do the next podcast for Venom Volume 4, or Venom Absolute Carnage, you guys will kind of have be like, hey, I can just jump in, I can listen to it, and you don't have to really, you know, think super hard about a lot of stuff. So, this issue, more or less, issue 15 of Venom, kind of... It's a slow issue, but it's one issue that reminds everybody that Eddie Brock was an investigative reporter. And that's what he was before he became Venom. And at this point, Eddie has a son, Dylan. And his son, Dylan's a little down. And his son, he's a little under the weather. So, of course, Eddie kind of has to, you know, he's got no money. Him and his symbiote recently had broken apart because the symbiote looked at itself as more of a... A hindrance to Eddie than a help and they ended up going their separate ways and Eddie ended up getting a crystal that acted like the Venom symbiote but it wasn't and after the War of the Realms ended he no longer had that and pretty much he's now normal he's just normal Eddie Brock with his son Dylan Brock now previous to this we had dealt with in volume one we dealt with uh, Null the symbiote god, more or less just his whole, you know, him being somebody that could control the that could control symbiotes, he's more or less their god, he makes them bend to his will. And his attack on Earth from volume one that Eddie Eddie ended up barely managing to win. The second volume them dealing with the maker who is an alternate universe who's the Ultimate universe or the ultimate universe version of Reed Richards, I should say, and him having to pretty much kind of get away from him, prevent him from being going after him, but all sorts of stuff kind of comes up, and they kind of have a at the end of it kind of an uneasy alliance, more or less. And then, of course, the last one to kind of get everybody caught up, War of the Rounds, which is a Big event in regards to Jason Aaron's character, but for Eddie Brock as Venom, after the events of Venom Volume 2 where the symbiote looked at himself as a hindrance, pretty much Eddie Brock was offered this dark crystal by this by a dark witch, more or less, and it gave him the semblance of the symbiote suit, but it, he would have to lie upon rage and anger in order to use it, but he would be able to use it for the will of Malekith. Eddie, of course, being who he is, he didn't want to follow that. So, of course, he went and bowed against, you know, other Dark Elves and stuff like that. And ran across a villain called Jack-O-Lantern, who, 
It's more or less a C level villain. He's nothing crazy. He's kind of like a knockoff of a green go of like Hobgoblin, Green Goblin. He he's not the most intricate character, but he's interesting enough to be put in there. Since of he thought he could take on Eddie as Venom, and he failed. So that's kind of catching you guys up on all three. Now it's just me kind of summarizing all that in one. So kind of getting back to what this issue is, kind of like a prelude to Absolute Carnage. You had Eddie and him more or less kind of just having to deal with the fact that his symbiote and him are no longer together. He feels attached to it, but he's having these kind of he normal he in the front of his head or in in like acting out when no one's in his thoughts. He knows he's just Eddie Brock, but in his thoughts he still feels like the Venom symbiote inside his head. The things it's saying to him when Dylan's asking, you know, for soup because he's under the weather. Or he's asked for medicine, and the Venom symbiote says, well, you can just sit here, and you can just, you know, you you don't need medicine, you don't need soup, you don't need anything, you can just eat their entrails. And he's just saying ridiculous stuff, but Eddie, of course, is controlling those thoughts. And Donny Cates does a great job of treating the Venom symbiote for Eddie like it's an addiction for the two. It's kind of like Eddie's two... It's an addiction plus his bipolar... Kind of like a bipolar personality form. Where he's normal, but then he has this anger to him. He's got a lot of different things to it. However you want to kind of intricate. But he looks at the Venom symbiote as another being in itself for Eddie. That isn't who Eddie really is. The Venom symbiote very much makes Eddie become something more harsher, more deadly... Which is something that comes with the territory, but it very much, it affects Eddie. So, Eddie deciding that, you know, he needs to pretty much provide for Dylan. He's like, well, let me, you know, let me see what I can do. Because he doesn't want to let the thoughts in his head making it feel as though the Venom symbiote is still there. Went over, so he's like, here, let me, I'm going to get some money. Because normally, his Venom symbiote provides form he doesn't need money but now he has a child he needs to you know provide him with something he needs to provide him with food shelter everything they can't just stay at their at rex's warehouse which rex from volume one was a, more or less just a, another symbiote from 70s who was a part of what they had to call as quote-unquote the first host and essentially he was a part of a government more or less mission in the Vietnam in the Vietnam era, I should say, where they utilize symbiotes, but not like full blown symbiote suits like you see with Venom and Carnage, but they would take pieces of them, and those pieces would slowly but surely would kill off the the host because that's more or less what the symbiote does. And Rex pretty much was a was separated from no, and that's kind of giving you guys kind of a roundabout way of knowing that no and Rex kind of knew each other. Rex appeared as a normal human, but he was really a symbiote. And he ended up combining with Eddie. And Eddie's just using Rex's bunker. So, getting back to it. Eddie goes, and he can meet up with an old friend, his old friend Clark. Tries to get kind of a job with him, because Eddie, being an investigative reporter that he used to be, he, you know, he, he, he could do the job. And he's hoping that Clark might be able to give him something. But Clark more or less tells him, like, I can't give you this. You know, you're you're kind of, right now, you're 
after everything that's gone on for you, you know, you're you're still blacklisted. I can't, you know, take you up. So of course that, you know, that really affects Eddie in the sense of he wants to, you know, wish everything wasn't like it was. But at the same time, Eddie kind of has to, you know, deal with the repercussions of what he's done. And it's tough on him. But after Eddie kind of begs and pleads a little bit, Clark kind of he's like, hey, well, we're still dealing with this whole War of the Realms crazy elf disaster that happened. We might be able to find some use for you. Here's a, more or less, we're still trying to locate some missing people. Why don't you be the guy that investigates it? You, I mean, you talk about you want money. If you can get this done for me, I will... You know, I'll see if I can get you paid or whatever. So, of course, he gives Eddie the file. Eddie goes and starts to investigate. And the thoughts in his head of he wishes Venom were still there with him. And he's, of course, wishing he was still Venom. But he remembers, he's like, I'm, I'm still an investigative reporter. I was good before I met, before I got combined with the Venom symbiote. I can do this. And Eddie, of course, finds out where the hideout is. And he finds out it is this Morris's hideout that has Morris, these people that have been getting killed, that have been missing, have also been getting Morris killed. And the people that are involved there are pretty much people who are controlled by, from Morris there being controlled via symbiote more or less they're kind of more or less like a cult similar to so if we go back to volume one i talked about how there was symbiotes that would control the body or were more or less mind controlled by null they're part of the cult they were part of this kind of like cult more or less and they would go at and they were more or less affected people and they would they're very tough to deal with but i was able to beat them so when Eddie gets in there, he runs across more of them. And Eddie's still normal. He doesn't have the Venom symbiote. But in his mind, he believes he's still Venom. He's doing all these things. He's imagining himself with the Venom symbiote. He's going through these guys. He's handling business. And, I mean, he's tearing through them like nobody, like there's nothing. But during this, you know, he's taking damage. He's beaten up and bloody. But he manages to beat all the guys, and it comes down to this, you know, crazed psycho killer. At the end, he has to end up beating, which he ends up defeating. And he saves the people that are left, and is able to, you know, solve the crime. But Eddie kind of realizes that him and this, he, after that dealing with that, he is... Him and the symbiote have bonded too well together for himself. And he'll never fully feel as though he can truly be separated from it the way he'd wish that it was. Because it gives him such a thrill, a rush in the sense of when he's in the Venom symbiote, he is truly just fearless. He's a monster. He's all these things. and makes him so very difficult to fight and handle and everything like that and Eddie of course he misses that rush and Eddie kind of deals with that but 
You know, it's something that he knows he has to subside because the symbiote's gone from him. Eddie ends up cashing up, cashing back in with Clark. He gets money, and at the end of the day, he brings you know suit back to Dylan, and kind of just you know ends a, ends okay for Eddie. Dylan tells him the soup sucks. Eddie kind of laughs it off. He said, and Eddie thinks to himself, "Well, the soup may suck, but at least it's nothing crazy. Things could be worse." Now, while that's going on, I talked about this, the cult that's going on. People that are infected by the symbiotes, they've got this crazed look of just of psycho killers on their mind. They're also the same people who've been bringing back Cletus Cassidy. I've talked about it. And essentially, they've been using co- codexes to bring him back. Now, Cletus Cassidy is Carnage. Now, for people who don't know who Carnage is, he more or less is the... Carnage is a is the symbiote that essentially was the asexual offspring of Venom. Was never initially with Carnage. He was not actually connected to the hive mind like Eddie Brock Eddie Brock's Venom symbiote would be. His was born without that connection. He'd always known of. Somehow he always had been felt like there was something more. First connection to know, but you never knew that, and that's gonna be more talked about in the in our talk of absolute carnage. But more or less, the carnage is the asexual symbiote or asexual offspring of the venom symbiote. More or less, he way deadlier. He he's not as susceptible to fire and electricity and sound as venom was. He's very much even deadlier than venom was. No sense of purpose, and it made him. Someone that, for a lot of fans of the 90s, who loved Venom and Carnage, like, they, they knew when Carnage showed up, he was a major threat. Now, the Carnage symbiote has had kind of an interesting history, more or less. For a long time, it was with Cletus Casty, and then Cletus Casty seemingly died. And then, pretty much, the Carnage symbiote actually ended up Coming to the hands of Norman Osborn during the finale of Dan Slott's Prince Spider-Man run, where Green Goblin became the Red Goblin thanks to the Carnage symbiote, and he became even deadlier than he was before, which was just a cool design, just a cool story, in my opinion. But it's kind of just giving you an idea of just how deadly the Carnage symbiote can be, in particular, the Red Goblin when he had it. Or Green Goblin when he became the Red Goblin because of the Carnage symbiote. But essentially, while all this has been going on, the this cult was able to revive Cleus Cassidy, and Cleus Cassidy's mission has been to collect codexes. So while Eddie's been kind of doing his thing during the War of the Realms and everything like that, Cleus Cassidy's been going around killing off other people who've had codexes. He's hunting them. He's digging up bodies, everything like that, because... He's trying to build up more codexes for Null because he's trying to bring the Null to Earth again. He wants Null to come to Earth because he feels as though Null will be the bringer, the the god that he's been waiting on, and someone that he worships. And that's been what's been really kind of going on in the background. To kind of lead up to absolute carnage. 
Now, for people who are kind of curious about Carnage stories, the most famous one most people know of would be, or most famous one is usually Maximum Carnage. And that was just a crazy 90s comic book. That also became a video game for people who remember playing the video game, and it was nuts to play. I still I played it every once in a while whenever I want to like get in some retro gaming. I'll bring up like the old Sega Genesis and I'll try playing it. It's a difficult game, not it's not impossible to beat, but it's definitely your classic beat 'em up. But it can definitely get overwhelming, in my opinion. But that was like the biggest thing for. Like, really giving everybody, a, really giving Carnage a lot of fans. Like, that and the Spider-Man the Animated Series. So, those are kind of, like, the bigger stories that involved. He's had other ones. I think he's had, I can't remember if it's Carnage in the USA. But he's, he's had a couple different stories out there. I listed off uh, the Red Goblin story. You know, there, there's a couple other ones. Definitely say Absolute Carnage is a good one. As, and I haven't even gone over it yet, but I definitely say if you have not read it, check it out and I'll talk about it in the next volume in the next podcast on it. But if not, read Maximum Carnage or play the game. It's an old one. I mean you'd have to get like a Sega Genesis and do some mods, quote unquote, put out there, but you could probably find it. Not me promoting it, but just saying it's not impossible for someone to find that. So Definitely would suggest, though, reading Absolute Carnage as a book, that, or Maximum Carnage, I'd say, as a book, more or less. Definitely, it's a fun read. But uh, I think I'm going to close this out. Hopefully, you guys kind of enjoy this. This is more or less kind of like a catch-up podcast, also kind of just like setting you guys up for what's going to happen next. And nothing crazy. I figured, if anything else, it's first, like, first non-movie review podcast of the year and i figured you guys would appreciate something a little different so with that being said thank you guys for listening have a great day and as always you guys can find me on uh facebook twitter instagram at nerd stuff with ian uh gmail at nerd stuff with ian at gmail.com comics amino all the fun places if you guys are looking for me and uh as always like share subscribe you guys can always listen to me on anchor spotify wherever you guys listen to your podcast and uh yeah have a great day later